Um, <clears throat> a um, a couple of weeks ago, Kate was speaking, and she shared a story about her and Dave going to Spain and their journey being diverted from Bilbao to Santiago to Compostela, and how journeys can be very different. And last week, Paul was sharing his story about running in the Mercy Marathon, how he got confused because you know, there were announcements in Spanish and he felt left out. He didn't understand what they were saying. So a tenuous link to Doubting Thomas being left out, which he did admit himself. But with these stories, I started to feel the pressure. You know, these are really great stories. I feel like I need to have a story. So this morning I take your Spanish stories and I raise you because my mind went back to when I went to Guatemala in Central America. So this is my travel story. I finished university in 1997. I decided to do a discipleship course with a church called Soul Survivor in Watford. Um, you're now doing the maths. I finished university in 1997, a long time ago. Yes, I am 46 years old. So anyway, I went on this trip to Guatemala. This team of about 25 young people had only literally met five days before, and we were put on this plane and we went to Guatemala. We were working with a charity who helped street children. Um, they ran camps, they created homes for them. And I was thinking about showing you a photo, but then I realized it was in 1997. We didn't have mobile phones, things weren't very digital and I wasn't going to start hooking around my loft for a photo album, so sadly I do not have a photo to share with you. And I could tell you stories about that trip, but what I actually wanted to tell you about was what happened to us when we were on our way home. So we were flying back to England after this trip, and the first leg of the journey was Guatemala City to Miami in America. So back... A couple of days before, you need to hear this to know what I'm talking about. Me and another girl in our team had been helping the local Guatemalan leaders of who worked for the charity, and we had to go in the evening to collect something from the city. We were a wee bit out from the city. And health and safety obviously wasn't as particular as it was today. And we went in the back of this pickup truck. So the Guatemalan leaders were driving and me and my friend were in the back of an open pickup truck. So like in the day, it would be quite warm, but in the evening, it would cool down. So after this journey in the pickup truck, I developed a really terrible head cold which is common for me anyway this week. I've had a terrible head cold all week. So I just was so bunged up, my ears, my nose, it was awful. And when we were on the flight and the way home, all of a sudden, the plane started to go down really quickly. There was no warning, no announcement, and we knew by the flight time we were not ready to land. So everyone in the plane started panicking. Like, it, people were crying, people were praying, people were thinking this is an emergency landing, we're gonna crash. But as for me, I did not care. I did not care because I was in agony, because I had this really bad head cold. The plane was going down so quickly, I literally felt as if my head and my ears were gonna like burst open. And I remember thinking, I don't care if this plane crashes because my pain will be over. <laughs> but the plane landed safely, stayed there for a short time, and then took off again. And my pain 
like kind of went because we were back on an even keel, although it was still uncomfortable traveling with the cold. And we never really found out what happened, although my friend is convinced that we landed briefly in Mexico and it was some kind of drugs pickup or run, <laughs> but I don't know. But you know, the, the point is, in a weird kind of a way, my, during that time, my pain helped me because it helped me to not go to the worst case scenario. It helped me to stay calm. It helped me to just cope with what was happening. And it just made me think, you know, sometimes times are painful, but there's things we can learn. There's things we can learn through the pain and especially through the hard times. So um, this week also, I was scrolling through social media as my family will attest that I do too much. Um, and I came across something that literally made me stop in my tracks. And I really wanted to share it with you this morning. It's by an author and therapist called KJ Ramsey. And the thing that I saw said, your resilience is a miracle. Your resilience is a miracle. And I don't really think I've heard those two words before in one sentence, resilience and miracle. And resilience is a bit of a buzzword at the moment, isn't it? I looked it up in the dictionary. It means the ability of a person to adjust to or recover readily from illness, adversity, or major life changes. And my goodness, how much have we all had to do that in this last 18 months, haven't we? We've had to adjust to adversity, many changes, changes to how the whole world works. And I think, you know, to some extent, we've all learned resilience because pretty much we've had to, we've had to. And this author went on to say, the stories worth telling are not just the ones where pain ends, but where God sustains. And I just thought that is so true. You know, sometimes we're quick to tell stories of, oh, I was going through a really hard time, but then things changed, then I got healed, God came through, and now things are better. But sometimes the story isn't like that. Sometimes the pain doesn't end or go away quickly. But God sustains, he journeys with us through our pain, and we need to share those stories as well. And the last thing she said, which really blew me away, was she wrote, not all stories of healing are the ones where sight is restored or diseases cease, but we won't be discipled to witness the miracle of perseverance unless stories of suffering are shared in sermons as stories of profound grace. I feel emotional even reading that. I'm gonna read it again. Not all stories of healing are the ones where sight is restored or diseases cease, but we won't be discipled to witness the miracle of perseverance until stories of suffering are shared in sermons of stories of profound grace. Now, please hear me. Don't get me wrong. In Carrickfergus Vineyard, we believe in healing. We pray for healing. We've seen healing, and we're not going to stop asking God to heal but we've also seen and experienced grace in suffering. We've seen God sustaining us and individuals time and time again. We've seen God carrying us through times of immense grief, and that is the miracle of perseverance. And the Bible speaks about perseverance. It means 
steady persistence in a course of action, a purpose, especially in spite of difficulties, obstacles, or discouragements. So similarities there to resilience. And I want to say to you this morning, do you know that you have all persevered? All of us have persevered. You're sitting in this room or you're watching online. You've persevered in spite of the difficulties, the discouragement, a pandemic that's shaken the whole world. We're still going, we've persevered. And maybe for some of us that's barely persevered, you know, some of us are finding it tough. I don't know about you, but like the last, you know, 18 months I've been like, it's okay, we can do it, things come up, we can get through this. But it does feel hard, like cases are going up, school classes are in, out. You know, what's the winter going to be like? Will our plans be shattered again? And it's, Lord, how do we persevere? And that's what I want to talk a little bit about this morning. How do we persevere? And I was, as I was thinking about this, something pointed me towards a person in the Bible that we don't often talk about. And her name is Hagar. She is a woman in the first book of the Bible in Genesis. So I just wanted to spend a wee while this morning looking at her in the Bible and get some wisdom and hopefully how we can persevere. So who is she? Who is Hagar? So a man called Abraham was married to a woman called Sarah and God promised him that his offspring would be as numerous as the stars in the sky and Abraham believed the Lord. But after some time, his wife, Sarah, still hadn't had any children. So she decided to take matters into her own hands. She said to him, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. And that slave was Hagar. So she became pregnant. And it says in the Bible, she began to despise her mistress. So Sarah doesn't like this. And she goes back to Abraham, her husband. And he just says, do whatever you like. So what happened was Sarah mistreated Hagar. She wasn't very kind to her, and Hagar ran away. So this might be hard for us to imagine because it feels so long ago and it's a slave, but remember what Paul said last week when he was speaking about doubting Thomas and the disciples, remember, like, to put ourselves in the story and imagine ourselves in that story. So here is Sarah. She knows that God has promised her numerous descendants, but it's not happening how she would think. And that must be so hard. Her prayer feels like her prayers aren't answered. What she's longed for isn't happening. So she decides to sort it out herself. Maybe some of us can imagine that a wee bit more. You know, things aren't happening the way we want to, so we sort it out ourselves. We, we, we solve it, we take God out of the equation, and that can be a tempting thing to do when things aren't going, out as, going as planned, to take matters into our own hands and shut out God. Or we can let our disappointment at it not happening cause us to drift away. But in this story, Hagar is a slave, so she doesn't have much choice. She has to do what she's told. And when she becomes pregnant, you know, maybe she thinks, well, I'm somebody now. You know, I've got a purpose. I can be the one who produces these heirs for Abraham. So Sarah's cruelty collided with Hagar's pride, and all Hagar could think to do was to run away. 
So in Genesis 16, 7 to 9, it says, The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was a spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarah, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarah, she answered. Then the Lord, angel of the Lord told her, Go back to your mistress and submit to her. So there's no doubt about it. Hagar is in a painful situation here. She's scared alone on the run. But what happens in her difficulty, the angel of the Lord meets her. And do you know, this is the actual first appearance of the angel of the Lord in the Bible. And I love it that his, he first appears to a single mother, a single mother-to-be who has a pride problem and was mistreated by the woman who created the mess in the first place and put her in this situation. So this morning we can know that God meets us in our painful places. And I feel that's something that's so important for us to remember right now. You know, some of us are in extremely painful places. Maybe just something's happened that was unexpected. It might be how someone else is treating us. It might be through our own choices. And of course, the pandemic has taken its toll in loads of ways, so we can be struggling because of that or many other reasons. But God meets us in our, in our painful places. And the angel of the Lord asks Hagar a question. Where have you come from and where are you going? So, like, Hagar just was in this painful situation. She was being treated so badly, and she just ran. She didn't stop to think. So it's really an insightful question that is being asked of her. And she must have thought, I've come from this terrible place. I don't even know where I'm going. And perhaps us today, we can place ourselves in that story. Like, maybe we find ourselves in that place. A situation becomes overwhelming, and we just react. Maybe we even run away. That could be literally or just in our own heads or in our, in our hearts. But in this situation, God meets Hagar, and he gives her an instruction and a promise. He tells her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. I will increase your descendants so much they will be too numerous to count. So like what Hagar is called to do here is definitely not the easy option. It's not like, oh, go back to Sarah and you'll be great friends. I'll make it all okay. I'll smooth the path. You know, Hagar is still going to be in an awkward place, but God would be with her. He would protect her and he's even given her a promise of blessing. And sometimes that is true for us, isn't it? Sometimes our difficulties remain, but God promises to stay with us in the midst of them. And Hagar realizes, if God can meet me here in this wilderness, he will be with me when I have to go back to Sarah and submit to her. And it's the encounter with God that transforms how she's feeling about what she's facing. She wanted her circumstances to change, but God met her and changed her. Some of us are desperate for our circumstances to change. And maybe they will, but God meets us at this very moment where we are. As we shared earlier, the stories worth telling are not just the ones where pain ends, but where God sustains. And the angel also tells Hagar about her son. It's not only a protection of promise, but a promise of blessing, because her unborn son would also be the father of many descendants, and he was to be called Ishmael. 
Do you know that he was the first one in the Bible to be given his name before he was born? That speaks to me that God had a plan for him and his descendants. You know, God could have just left Hagar and her unborn child to die in the wilderness, but he didn't do that. He specifically intervened. He appeared as the angel of the Lord, and things may seem desperate, but God has a plan. He commands Hagar to go back, to stay in the story, and he says, you shall name him Ishmael because the Lord has heard of your misery. It means God will hear, and he hears us today, hears the cries of our hearts, and he said, he will be a wild man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. Like, that doesn't really sound like much fun, does it? You know, you're about to have a son and he's going to be, like, mad and wild and he's going to be against people and people are going to be against him. Like, who wants that to be said to them? You know, but his life wasn't going to be easy, but God was still going to watch over him, sustain him and have a plan for him. And sometimes I think, you know, if we, if things are hard or, you know, things aren't going the way we planned it, will we think, oh, well, maybe that's not God then, you know, surely it should be more straightforward. But sometimes the things God asks of us are uncomfortable and we have to struggle. And, you know, I just feel like that. I was thinking about church this morning, you know. Two years ago, we just woke up on a Sunday morning, thought, oh, I'll go to church today, rocked up, maybe on time, maybe not, and it was just easier, wasn't it? Now we have to remember to book in, we have to remember our face mask, we have to sit apart, Purgils has to do a seating plan and make sure we're all seating apart. Like, even for you to be in this space, you had to like jump through some hoops and the pandemic is wearing other life circumstances are wearing and that's just a small thing but God is with us and Hagar realizes that too she realizes God is with her because she says in verse 13 you are the God who sees me I have now seen the one who sees me she's in the desert She's run away to escape mistreatment of Abraham and Sarah. Her life has changed because of their broken struggles. And even though she has limited value in their eyes, she learns that every part of her life is precious to God and he would redeem her story. And her response was to call him El Roy, the God who sees. Maybe some of us are feeling like that today. Maybe that we think God doesn't see what I'm going through. You know, loads of people talk to me about things that are going on in their lives, and they'll say, oh, but you know, there's really worse things going on in the world. Look at such and such. Or they'll say, oh, there's so many people, and their struggles are worse than mine. And maybe so. Sometimes we discount our own struggles, or we don't even take it personally. Or maybe it does feel personal. Maybe today you're sitting there feeling like God sees everyone's life but yours. He hears everyone else's prayers but not yours. Maybe we're struggling with a difficult relationship. Our circumstances are challenging. Maybe we've got a hard decision to make and we can't sleep at night. Sometimes at the minute it feels every day is like that, doesn't it? Like even you, you, could, be, you could get a phone call and someone could say, Someone you know, they'll say, I've tested positive, I've got COVID. And your mind immediately starts going into overdrive. Like, 
how, you know, are you okay? Like, how do you feel? Are you going to be okay? Like, and then you think about you, like, well, when did I see them last? How long was I talking to them for? Where were we? You know, am I a close contact? Do you need to do a test? Like, for many of us, every day is like challenging decisions, like working stuff out all the time. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. And maybe we're trying to do the right thing all the time. We're trying to pray. We're trying to hold it together. We're trying to be the strong one. But maybe inside we're falling apart. I have been listening to a worship song recently called Jaira. And a modern translation of Jaira is God will provide. And But I was blown away when I looked this up because I thought, I'm just going to check what Jaira means. But the early translation into Greek gives the meaning as the Lord hath seen. And in the book of Genesis, Jehovah Jaira was the location, or Yahweh Jaira. I hope I've read that right. It was the location of the binding of Isaac where Yahweh told Abraham to offer his son Isaac as a burnt offering and he named that place after God provided a ram in place of the sacrifice of Isaac. So it's said to this day, in the mount where God is seen. And I just that just blew me away because I, I wasn't expecting it when I looked up Jireh, but there it is again. I have seen the one who sees me. God really wants you to know that today, that he sees you. But anyway, this song, Jaira, starts off with the lyrics. I'll never be more loved than I am right now. Wasn't holding you up, so there's nothing I can do to let you down. It doesn't take a trophy to make you proud. I'll never be more loved than I am right now. Some of us need to be reminded of that today, that it's not up to us to be strong. God doesn't need us to try to be strong for him when we're going through a crisis. He is not surprised by our circumstances, and he cares about them, and he cares about us. He's the God who sees us. You know, sometimes people will say to me, I just feel like I've really let God down. From now on, I'm going to say to them, well, you weren't holding him up, so you can't let him down. You know, we just need to remember again today that God sees us. And we can be honest to share our struggles with him and one another and find his grace in the middle of it, even if, like Hagar, the circumstances stay difficult. I was reading a wonderful lady called Jo Saxton, which drew my attention to the story of Hagar in the first place and the God who sees me. And I wanted to share with you what she said. She says, God has seen every chapter of your story the part she celebrate and the part she wish you could forget. He sees you today in the struggles and the tiredness, the fears and the fun. He sees every part of you. He knows you. He loves you. And when life is falling apart, his hold on you is stronger than your hold on him. He has no intention of letting you go. He will redeem your story. God sees you today. He sees every part of you. He's no intention of letting you go. He's been holding on to you through this pandemic and even before when life was a struggle. So that's what I want to say to all of us today. Your resilience is a miracle. God sees you. God has sustained you through pain and your story is worth telling. We want to be able to witness the miracle of perseverance in one another and share our stories of grace to journey together. 
As Kate shared a couple of weeks ago from Eugene Peterson, journeying with Jesus is a long obedience in the same direction. So let's choose to trust and obey. And we need to do this together as church, as church family. You know, whether you're a kid, a teenager or older, we need to support one another, listen and talk to each other. Some of us have been here longer than others. Some of us have already formed relationships. Some of us are longing to form relationships. We want people to persevere with. Next week, we're launching our life groups, and they are spaces where we can do that together. I encourage you to be part of one. Also, like Hagar, we need to encounter the Lord. I know that coming here on a Sunday morning is different. It's not like it was before. But right here for me in this church with all of you is a place where I can encounter Jesus. When we sing these songs of worship, it draws my heart towards his. It helps me to encounter him. To know again that he hears me, he sees me, and he sustains me, even through tough circumstances that we would not choose. And I hope that it does the same for you when we gather together like this. We need to share our stories of suffering and of grace when God comes through with each other. And I know I've been talking to people in church. Some of us are feeling closer to God than others. Some of us are feeling connected. Some of us just feel so far away. And maybe like Hagar, you're feeling like you're in a desert place. Maybe you're watching this now at home, or maybe you're watching later during the week, and you just feel like you're in a desperate place. But God sees that, and I believe that he meets you there. He's asking, where have you come from, and where are you going? The very fact that you're listening to this, he sees your heart to persevere through the wilderness, and he promises blessing even in the battle. This morning, I want to finish by reading Romans 5, verses 3 to 5. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Your resilience is a miracle. You are persevering. That produces character and character hope. We have hope. We are a place of hope. Why? Because of God's love for us. Because Jesus died on the cross for us. And because this can be poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who God has given to each of us who believe and choose to follow him. I know that in the days to come, we will need to be resilient. But let's remember that God sees us. Earlier, the guy sang, he, he leaves the 99 to find the one. He sees you. He is relentless. He will do anything to reach out and meet with you. So would you allow him to do that this morning? Let's allow God to pour out his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. We're going to sing another song of worship. Um, and what I really want you to do during this time 
is to allow God to meet with you, whether you're feeling close to him right now or in that desert place like Hagar. Allow God to meet with you. Allow the Holy Spirit to pour out that love of Jesus into your heart as we worship, and then afterwards we're going to pray.